Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Anne Genge, CEO and co-founder of Alexio Corporation. In 2017, Anne co-founded Alexio, now a national and global award-winning cybersecurity firm specializing in healthcare. With over 20 years of industry experience, Anne knows the technology challenges that healthcare providers face as healthcare grows increasingly dependent on digital connectivity, cybersecurity becomes exponentially more difficult. Healthcare practices need all the same protections as hospitals and large organizations, but they have smaller budgets and little access to cybersecurity specialists. This means that more affordable but robust cybersecurity solutions are crucial, and education is needed to help healthcare practitioners understand their options. Anne and her team are champions in the use of automation and machine learning to solve data security and cyber risk for, cyber risk for healthcare and small to medium-sized businesses nationwide. Anne, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here. Well, that's what we like to hear. Thank you so much. One of the things that our listeners who are all busy entrepreneurs depend on is that we're going to give them some information that will help them make better decisions or take some new actions uh, in their businesses. So... Just off the top, what are the, 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 the key pieces of advice that you hope entrepreneurs will take away from this conversation today? Well, I'm really excited to be able to talk with you about this stuff because I find that a big gap for a lot of startups is that they don't understand that as soon as they collect customer data, they need to have privacy 
and security strategies in place for that data. Uh, but also that they don't need to be overwhelmed because now there is help available to them. And then uh, the third thing that I think we're going to talk about is, uh, and, and uh, that I can comment on, is that I really want women to uh, show up in this arena, in the cyber arena, and uh, women make great cybersecurity specialists as well. That's terrific. So why don't we pick up on that? Tell me about you. Tell me a bit about you and uh, how you became a cybersecurity entrepreneur. Well, I had a business previously, and this was uh, an IT integration business. Uh, amongst other things, we specialized in transitioning healthcare from paper records to digital records. And uh, through that journey, we realized, wow, there is so much more that's going online. There's going to be so much more data available um, and, and vulnerable, and that there's going to be a lot that's going to be needed to be done about uh, the security of that information. At the same time, laws were changing, cyber attacks were growing, and that we noticed that mainstream uh, sort of IT providers just didn't have the uh, expertise to solve it that uh, cybersecurity solutions, and this, is, this goes for small business as well as healthcare, uh, are very expensive. The point of entry and owning all the different pieces of software uh, was, was overwhelming. So we needed to be able to bring all of those types of great cybersecurity tools into uh, an affordable type of, of product that would be uh, available to all small businesses and, and you know, in our own industry uh, as well, obviously, healthcare. And what happened to the old business? So we sold that. Uh, and, and we'll, You did. You had an exit. Well, we did, yes. And actually, that was a business that I had, had uh, co-founded with my uh, brother, and, and it was his second startup. So we're, we're, we're a, you know, a little bit used to this process. So hopefully, I can bring some good value uh, in, in that respect uh, later on in the conversation as well. Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? Yes, actually, I'm I'm third generation, and uh, no, third it's generation. A... I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you know what? I I think uh, as I was saying with to somebody yesterday, uh, I'm not. I'm just not employable anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, once you're doing your own thing, uh, you kind of like to to stay there, right? So uh, so it you know, it's been good to me. Right. So in the cybersecurity world, it's obviously a big deal and there's a lot of big companies and big systems involved in it. What, what was the specific opportunity that you saw? Well, and, and it still exists today uh, and, and even more so because if you if you watch the news, there, every day there's a, a data breach or a, a, a data theft or a ransomware. And, and realistically, the, the ones that we're seeing in the media, these are very large organizations that can't even keep our data safe. So imagine how vulnerable uh, small businesses are that don't have budgets or, or teams of, of cybersecurity professionals to, to solve this for them. And so we decided to really you know, fill that gap, become uh, privacy and security, like virtual privacy and security officers. Uh, give a, a subscription-based set of cybersecurity tools so that no matter how big, even a, even a startup with just one person can start to uh, implement great privacy and security practices and protect their business data uh, from day one in an affordable way. And there was nobody else doing this? 
uh, it's crazy to me that there, there's still nobody focusing on it in the in the same way that we are. I think a lot of especially cyber companies are very focused on enterprise, um, and which makes sense. There's, there's, you know, why would why would I bother uh, talking to a, a solopreneur uh, when I can go after an organization that has you know, thirty thousand employees? Uh, so there's there's a lot being done, and there's a lot of focus on on big business, on on big healthcare, uh, but it leaves these these us smaller guys very vulnerable because uh, we just can't pay the kind of money to get uh, a Deloitte in there to, to protect our, our business, for example. Sure, sure. Uh, one of the factoids that I learned uh, in cruising the Alexio website, 90% of healthcare organizations have already suffered some kind of breach. What the heck's going on? So the, I think the the problem is that healthcare is a huge target, um, and a lot of people don't realize that even your your dentist, for example, would be a, a great target uh, to to have your your data stolen from because they have all of the most important details to recreate an identity. So they have full medical histories, insurance information, credit card information, your your date of birth, uh, your family information as well, because sometimes generations uh, are are visiting the same dentist as an example. And so uh, when they get when cyber criminals want to go after data sets, they want to get the most complete ones that they can. And they also know that these smaller healthcare entities are very vulnerable. Again, right. for the same reasons we just discussed. So um, and and breaches can happen in many forms. There's there's fax breaches. There's there's just losing a patient file too. But an exponential number of these um, are growing, uh, especially when you talk about things like ransomware um, within these smaller organizations because they don't have the protections. Right. I remember. Years ago, there used to be the occasional story about how somebody's medical records were, you know, a, a whole trove of them were found in the in, in, in a rubbish container somewhere, and you'd go, you know, tut, tut, tut. But now this is happening everywhere all the time, and but we're not hearing about it. You're not hearing about as many of the sort of paper-based breaches, I think, because the, the news cycles are being dominated by these these much bigger ones and then and when you have these types of large uh, data breaches you're talking about thousands and thousands of records uh, at a time when when these right but we're not hearing about the smaller breaches no, like no. Uh, you know if 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 some office was throwing out old medical records that's technically a pretty small breach but we would hear about it because it was so odd and and and, and annoying but uh, I, just in terms of that I just haven't heard that it's such a problem such a large-scale problem at that small scale. Yes. Uh, well, and now you you still have those types of things because people leave, uh, you know, they have to hold on to these records for so long, and then sometimes you'll hear the janitor threw it out. But again, I think it's not uh, it's not getting the, the same kind of oomph as, uh, <laughs> because there's just so many of them every day. You're not going to hear about the, the local one uh, as much, right? It's, it's being dominated by by you know some of the, the the big historical ones that we've seen in the last few years, like like uh, Equifax or Life Labs and and so on. Right, right. Tell me just a little bit about Alexio. Uh, I'd like to get some idea, sort of the scale of it. So, what can you tell me in terms of number of employees or number of assignments, number of clients, or geographical breadth? Right. So uh, right now we have been operating uh, in Canada only, but we have just uh, engaged in a, 
a partnership with another uh, very large uh, privacy organization in Canada. Uh, they also serve the, uh, the U.S. market. And so what this means for us is being able to deliver virtual privacy and cybersecurity services North American-wide. And we will focus on, on everyone from, again, solopreneurs up to uh, one to 200 employees and be able to solve those, those problems uh, in developing privacy programs and uh, delivering cybersecurity monitoring and, and assessment services, again, all in an affordable uh, model. Uh, right now, a lion's share of our business uh, comes from dentists and physicians uh, across Canada, and we're growing the small business side of things. That's only just launched in the last uh, few months. But uh, the idea is to bring uh, great robust cybersecurity to all small businesses um, in an affordable way and bolster it with uh, them having access to certified, experienced, uh, best-in-class uh, professionals to give them answers and support them on a daily basis. Right. And what is your system? It's a subscription base. Is, is there a platform involved? Is it a technology thing? Yes. <laughs> how, so, how would you uh, describe it? Well, Alexio is automated cybersecurity. So instead of um, having to go through manual processes to run things like updates, to update antivirus software, to to monitor uh, intrusions, we've leveraged uh, a number of different tools and integrated them together to use automation, machine learning, AI, um, uh, threat hunting, and uh, a breach remediation, breach identification, really everything that would be required in a big business but we've put it together in a way and leveraged automation to, to such a degree that it takes a lot of the, the manual labor out of it and makes it much more affordable. Right. What can you tell me about the investment that you've put into this? Because it sounds like it's a pretty leading-edge platform. It sounds like it might be rather capital-intensive. Well, you know, it was. Uh, or And it still is, in a it sense. It was and um, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think the thing is uh, we had a clear vision. We had we had you know, clear uh, number of years of, of experience in the industry. Um, I had industry notoriety from, from, from my previous business and being a speaker and an advocate for a number of other things, uh, which certainly all helped. Uh, you know, being able to leverage off of the, the previous business provided some really great, you know, internal, you know, seed money for that. Um, I think you know, in this conversation, we're going to talk a bit about my views on, on investment. I don't know uh, if you want to do that now. But um, the thing is that it's a huge problem and it's a global problem. And, it, and the security of personal information uh, online is, is a global disaster. And uh, somebody needed to solve this. Um, I'm sure others will be, will be doing it too. I'm not sure uh, whether they'll be able to, to come up with the same... Uh, type of affordable model that that we can, or if even addressing small businesses is is even interesting to them. It's been very good to us so far, but we still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, it sounds like a very exciting path you're on. Uh, the partner you mentioned that is helping uh, you get into the states, I guess they they see you having a solution that isn't in that marketplace either at this point. Right. So. Uh, Obviously, data security is, is a big problem everywhere. Uh, I think what they've tapped us for is our specific experience um, and, and skill sets when it comes to healthcare data protection, and this is a huge deal in the U.S. 
they are a very well-known uh, managed privacy uh, company. They do uh, privacy programs for some very large uh, entities, a, a lot that are very large uh, entities in healthcare, uh, but also small business. They do a lot of uh, work creating privacy programs for uh, small businesses, entrepreneurs, people I innovating, especially in the healthcare market. Uh, but they didn't have a cybersecurity arm. And so I think um, the idea really, and it's going to be such a great one for entrepreneurs, is to be able to bring everything under one hood um, and, then, and then it's a one-stop shop. So uh, again, merging the two things together makes it even that much more affordable. And of course, privacy and security fit nicely together. Both are necessary and they both kind of interconnect, right? Right. So, um, yeah. I'm always intrigued by how important partnerships are to smaller businesses because smaller businesses very often have solutions that big companies don't and particularly, you know, usually in the lower ends of the market where the big companies haven't had time or inclination to develop a solution. And uh, the right partnership can be this incredible springboard into a new market. And in your case, it sounds like it's a key to U.S. penetration, which is, you know, the holy grail for every Canadian entrepreneur. Can you tell me anything about how this partnership came to be? Is this something that you sought out or did they come to you? Well, right out of the gate, you know, just when our solution was was really just an idea. I started really trying to scope out who are who are the leaders in, in the field, who are the, the key players. And I think for us, um, you know, again, we, I think we were very fortunate because we started with a, a lot of leverage off of our old business. So we were well situated that we didn't have to be too hungry. And what I mean by that is that we were able to really uh, scope around and really target um, <laughs> Not just people that would bring money. It was more more important to us to find a good fit, both in in how the businesses would could work together, but also culturally and and you know building a relationship that could sustain the test of time, regardless of personality and and so on. So, um, I was always quite visible on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I leverage LinkedIn uh, quite a bit uh, and and use it to seek out those who who may you know, be of, of, of value to connect with, but also uh, when when I make those connections, I'm obviously visible to them. And so I think what was great is that it was a little bit of a, a dance going back and forth. Um, a couple of people took good interest in, uh, in us in the early years and kept their, kept their eye on us. And then when we were really ready and had a solid uh, solution to, to bring forward, then, then you know they were right there, and they sort of followed us in our, our journey all the way along. And I think that what's uh, what's great, and especially in leveraging those types of networks too, is that you get a good sense of of all of those things in in the way that they present information, um, and then being able to sit down periodically and 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 just sort of pick through you know if that's a fit. So. Uh, so I feel very grateful that we did find a fit on all of those levels, and and now it's sort of blasting to the universe and and beyond. Um, it's really a dream for for any uh, small company to be able to find that fit. Uh, but it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of um, conviction to to not just jump on something uh, because someone's going to solve your next payroll problem, uh, but really be very conscious about what you're choosing and and how it can create some some growth, but some some opportunity for longevity as well because they're they're difficult things to put together right uh, so just to just to make sure i got it right 
Um, so you went out and specifically began developing relationships with potential partners very early on. So this was not a coincidence. This did not happen out of the blue. This is you doing that prospecting early on at a time when you had lots of other things to do too. Yes. But you made the time to develop relationships with people who might be of value to you in future or, or, or the very next day. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's very cool. So I have to ask you, uh, so you're contacting them through LinkedIn. So you're one of the power users who, 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 who pays the, the subscription fee. You're not just, <laughs> right? Well, actually, I only went to premium about, uh, about two months ago. Um, you did all that could, without premium. I did. I did. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, you know, jury's out for me as to, to, to what extra value it, it really brings me. I, I'm not here to judge one way or the other. I think that there's a, there's a few things about that, that, that work really well for people. But I think for me, it's mostly about, uh, making sure that I'm, I'm, uh, consistently posting valuable, uh, valuable tips, um, uh, using it to, to demonstrate my credibility and, and my experience and always being helpful. Um, and uh, people, people appreciate that and they'll, you'll get the reads each time, right? Okay, and, so uh, you're, you're building your brand on LinkedIn with uh, articles and uh, reports and things? Is that for sure. The strategy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, is, and does that work? Because LinkedIn normally doesn't let you get in touch with important people without you paying the premium fee. So one way to do that is to engage as a thought leader. And that's worked for you. It's worked really well for me. Um, and then as much as possible, I personalize my, my invites. And I don't just do some sort of lame, you know, we have contacts in common, you know. Right. Uh, I'll, 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 you know, seek to... to I like be- your sarcastic voice, by the way. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, we all know that, that, <laughs> that's how that is. It, and, it, and yeah, it, very, it, it, a lot exhausting. of people put no effort into it. Um, yeah, so yeah, so it, it, it's great to have scorn for the, for, for those people. And I know a lot of people who say, if someone just sends me that rote, I would like to connect with you, then they ignore it because they thought if you don't have anything to add, if you don't have, if you, then you're not adding any value to my life. So, so, so you're doing it the right way by, by creating reputation, offering content, creating value. Well, you know, there's, there's. <laughs> My father was was a, a, a he was a, a scrappy entrepreneur. He had very little education, and he built everything he did, which was he always had numerous businesses going on. But he was a really he was a strong relationship guy, um, and you know there was a lot of dadisms as I call them. But you know he would say things like garbage in, garbage out. Um, it takes a long time to become an overnight success. It w- if it was easy, everybody would do it. You know, uh, so you can't take a, a lackadaisical or, a, or, or sort of a halfway approach to anything, including things like building your uh, social network. Um, each network has a different kind of thing. You know, like Instagram might be good for one thing. But if you're building a professional, you want to be a professional, you know, a, a credible uh, person, um, that's that's for me anyway, if you're especially being offering professional services, I think that's been a great cha- channel for me. But you, you don't approach it halfway. It, it's don't even don't bother unless you're going to be able to show the value in that first connection would be where I think I, I was able to really leverage that so well. 
Right. I think that I think that's very important. And one of the things, if if you're not uh, for the entrepreneurs out there, if you're not sure that you're a thought leader and able to lead with articles and things, then the other thing you can do is just be part of the community and participate and respond to others. So I noticed, for instance, that this morning on uh, the uh, on on. Uh, LinkedIn, someone posted a video that someone hacked together to show you scammers in India working in their office as they scam people. So he hacked the hackers and uh, uh, a woman involved in uh, cybersecurity in Canada said, wow, amazing post. So she got her name out there on a very interesting (laughs) post that's probably had thousands of views. Um, And so... Even if you're not a thought leader, you can contribute and you can you, you, you can support the community and become better known that way and build your brand. You so. can. I was a smart person. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes. We, 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 we like to see uh, clever uh, business development like that. In terms of, of the, the, the platform you have, what was it that, about you and your partner that enabled you to come up with something that other people hadn't come up with? Was it just seeing the opportunity? Was that simply enough? Or did you have other things in your background or experience or technological expertise that helped you come up with the platform you have? Uh, My brother has been in uh, computers and and cyber and and really uh, for uh, probably 25, 27 years. My brother is my business partner. Um, he's the big brain behind the mechanics of how all of that has been put together. Uh, he has a number of cybersecurity uh, designations, so he's invested a great deal of money and time in, in becoming a real um, expert in this uh, arena. And uh, so what works really well is him understanding how all of those pieces are, are delivered from an opera operational perspective and my side is that I have a lot of strengths in of course I understand cybersecurity but I have I've become I think you know a fairly significant uh, storyteller a, a good teacher and so I, what I'm able to do is uh, bring these solutions to people and really have them understand why it's important and how it's it's working and be very strong on the educational side as well so it's really a, 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 a team uh, made in heaven, um, and then we've been really careful about choosing the you know the best brains uh, that we can to really uh, always uh, be improving and innovating and and finding better ways to uh, keep customer and patient data safe. Right now, you're engaged in a really interesting uh, brand extension or 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 growth uh, path. Because you're going from specializing in healthcare to doing this for small and medium-sized businesses uh, in general. Uh, when I look at your website, I see that it's still mainly about healthcare. And I'm just wondering, how do you manage, uh, because this is, this is uh, something a lot of entrepreneurs face when they, when they start doing you know, a second thing. How do you manage that transition? How do you make sure you're talking equally well to both of your very different markets. Well, I guess, you know, one of the great things for us is that we've started uh, and have accomplished so much in what is pretty much the most highly regulated uh, arena and that it, it, healthcare is, is very regulated when it comes to privacy and security laws. Uh, the same principles apply to protecting regular everyday customer information 
um, as as they do for uh, patient health information. So uh, we're going to be using a lot of the same tools. Um, the discussions are going to be fairly similar. We've already been referred out to a number of small businesses. It doesn't read that on our uh, website, but typically what has happened over over the last couple of years is that uh, we'll have a client in healthcare and they'll say, oh, you got to talk to my lawyer or my accountant, and then there's been this refer out anyway. So we do have a significant amount of small business uh, anyway, uh, but uh, uh, so... Now there's you know people are going to come to the site. They'll they'll have a choice. You know I I work in healthcare or I have a business, and then we'll 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 segment them from there. Uh, and the really only differences are 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 mostly in what their repercussions are for non-compliance uh, or or not protecting information. So there might be uh, there's heavier consequences if you have a breach with healthcare information than if you have a breach with regular customer information. But the same tools and the same best practices uh, are are used in both. Right, but do, do you need a, a, a different mar- you, but but you need obviously a bigger, broader marketing campaign reaching a niche audience such as dental practice and things is so much easier than saying reaching all small business. So do do, do you have a any uh, a niche strategy within small business, or do you have a big general marketing campaign planned? How do you get the message out to such a big audience now? Right. So uh, that's part of what our our new partnership is about. They have quite a bit of reach in in, in that way, uh, but there is going to be a, a sizable investment or another arm that's going to be handling that for us. Till now, we've been um, heavily involved with an agency. They can certainly take us from. Um, healthcare more into uh, general small business, um, and I think what's going to be really helpful for us is, and has been till now, is really leading with education first. So we've got some very unique uh, cybersecurity awareness training. Um, people can uh, start in that capacity with us. We do it really well because we we provide rewards for certain uh, levels of engagement in that type of training and every single business needs this. Everybody with a computer needs that. So uh, we have a lot of levers that are that are differentiated and um, and it's everyone's issue right to meet the uh, to meet the masses. Uh, but we're we're ramping up and we're scaling that up right now and and I'm very optimistic that we'll be able to uh, have as much success with lawyers, accountants, uh, small business owners as we have in the healthcare arena. Right. I imagine every small business owner is thinking, oh, yeah, one more thing I have to worry about. But presumably, your service defender uh, takes the headaches out of it, right? As you say, it's automated. So, uh, so, so there's no reason for them to groan and say, I don't want to do this. No, they don't. Uh, they, they, Wednesday... Once they're on this, a, a lot of organizations have found that a, a very large portion of their IT headaches have actually gone away because this automation is is working to fix all sorts of problems, not just security problems. And some are, are sort of just little things that are uh, causing glitches, but because you have machine learning embedded, uh, there's a lot of a lot of ways that you know once it's fixed something once on one computer, it it knows how to fix it on the next, right? So, uh, the other really big value that they get is that they get a report every single day that has these big green check marks that shows that 
all of these security measures are in place and you're passed and you know you're you're at 99% or 100% and so there's a, a daily visual and a peace of mind that goes with that and it, I think that you know after a few months people just go okay I don't have to worry about this now that's that's just great is there uh, anything is there anything you can tell me about pricing what would a small business pay for access to this sort of service well, you can give me a range. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean it's it's actually really affordable. I mean, we have uh, some solopreneurs that are that are paying uh, just thirty or forty dollars a month. Uh, so, uh, for less than the price of a LinkedIn premium membership, <laughs> you can have privacy security. <laughs> I, it, you know, it, it actually is really hilarious how how cheap it is. <laughs> I hate to use the word cheap. We're not supposed to use that word. Inexpensive, but I think affordable. I, yeah, but you know, I I I like to talk about it because I think some people when they see all of of what it's doing or they hear from somebody else that they need to get all of these things and uh you know, or maybe they've tried to price this sort of thing through some of the bigger players in the market and they've noticed that, you know, the entry point is $10,000 a year, right? So, um it, you know, I think the thing for us is that uh, we take the approach of let's have something that's high value, that's affordable and is a win for them. That's how we keep people uh, enthusiastically uh, satisfied and we keep them as customers for life. Just so them a- yeah. you, are on, you are entrepreneurs who've created a service for entrepreneurs. You get it, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let's talk about cybersecurity because it's it, it as a specific problem for entrepreneurs because uh, we need to get them to, to get their heads around it. Um, what are some basic tips that entrepreneurs uh, should follow and take away to ensure that their businesses are cyber safe from day one? I think one of the biggest uh, challenges for most entrepreneurs is is that there are so many things that you need to do. There's so many things that you need to allocate funds to. But we really need to uh, understand that the minute we start collecting uh, customer data, this becomes our business data. This is the this is the heart of our business, and we need to do things to protect it. So I'd love to see that right out of the gate, um, entrepreneurs will allocate time to understand and allocate funds to create privacy and security uh, plans or protocols for their business. Um, really have a good understanding of, of the business risk, uh, what what lost data means, uh, what stolen data means, what uh, what it means if you have a, a, a data breach and, and the impact on your business reputation. But also something that's going to come up with many uh, small businesses or entrepreneurs, especially developing apps, um, even more so if they're developing healthcare apps, is that investors are going to want to see what is your data management plan? How are you accommodating for privacy and security? That's definitely going to be on your list of requirements. So those are things that I would say if someone's just starting up or, they, or they, they're a little bit of the ways into it and they haven't done that yet, I'd love to see them do that. And of course, we'd be very happy uh, to help. Okay. What is the risk? Is there a risk if entrepreneurs decide this is just one more chore? I'm going to put it off as long as I can. Is it, what, what kind of risks do they face if they take that attitude? Uh, one of the so obviously the things that we just talked about, right? 
uh, losing their data, and you can lose your data not just because somebody hacks it, but because you haven't backed it up and you have a system failure, right? So there's a number of reasons why you need to do that. A lot of people are leveraging cloud or online apps, and there are many tools that I see being used that are not secure. They're, they're not secure tools to be sharing uh, customer data or even more importantly for, for you as a, a business owner, your own proprietary business data, uh, file sharing, online, uh, 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 online tools that are, are used to capture via forms, um, even emailing over regular email. There might be some intellectual property that you have that you don't want intercepted and, and, and copied, right? So. Um, there's there's a lot at stake there, um, and also when you're creating your websites, if you're collecting any uh, personal information or any contact forms on your website, you must have a secure website. So you need to pay for an SSL certificate. Um, if you need to understand a little further what that means is that your website can't just be HTTP, it needs to be HTTPS. And, uh, and pay the extra $3 to have website security <laughs> on there. And, and because here's the thing. So we've been putting that off for years, but you're saying is, is now the time that I can't put that off anymore? You know what? It's, it's a very small, there's two small things with your site that you can do. One is pay for that certificate. It's not a lot. If you're hosted on GoDaddy, just, you know, get that done. But then there's, there's these little security uh, subscriptions that you can buy that are like two or three dollars a month and it it scans and substantiates your domain on a daily basis scans it for malware and shows your potential customers with a little a little uh, digital badge on your website that that your site is secure and it's malware free so I mean let's look at privacy and security as a competitive advantage as well, right? We have a, a much more informed consumer now. Every day that another breach goes out and people like me talk about it, we're going to be telling your, your customers what they should be looking for when they give you or don't give you their information. That sounds like really good advice. So thank you so much for that. You're a woman in a field where I think we don't see a lot of women. I'm just wondering what kind of advice you and 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 you didn't start off in technology and privacy security. You came there from just sort of the paper-based process side of things. So, uh, what advice do you have for other women to, who want to get into STEM, into STEM to get into technology businesses? And you know, do you think it's something that more pe more women should be aiming for? Uh, I really do. Um, I, I think, you know, it's, it, I want to say don't be intimidated. It, 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 that kind of talk is 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 uh, is cheap, right? Uh, but it is true. Uh, uh, it's a really rapidly changing environment. So, for example, I think even in the last five years, when I'm going to um, conferences, I used to be like one of the only women. Or I'd find one other woman and I'd go, hey, you know, thank you for being here. But the stuff that I've been at, just even in the last year, I noticed like a real surge of, of, of females showing up. Here's the thing. STEM also needs the creativity of the arts. And, and, you know, this goes for men and women both. I think we need to bring creativity to the table. We need to have, uh, you're hearing more about it now. It's not just STEM, it's STEAM. So that's STEM with, with the arts. With the A for arts, yeah. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, almost everything that we do involves some sort of STEM these days because everything is data-driven. But we need all types of brains to solve 
these these big there's there's a global challenge with data management and the security of data, um, and and in the development of of tools going forward, uh, it's not just about just sort of you know engineers. There's 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 so many other things that need to happen to really uh, bolster this this industry, and it requires all types of talent. So I just want more women to to keep an open mind about it, right? It just at least probe, test it out a bit. Uh, and and look around at 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 the different uh, areas and 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 watch what those people do. And what was your major in university? So I actually start my first post secondary education was an arts degree. Um, and and what's interesting about that, I, I went back to school a, a, a few times. It's not to say that I I didn't get it right the first time, but I just I have a, a brain that really needs to keep growing. So I'm. I'm still in school, right? I, I, I still am seeking the, the next the next big credential or, or whatever. Um, I think for me, it's always been about uh, problem solving and and not feeling that I have, uh, l- not being limited by my education. Uh, nowadays, I think it's very hard to position ourselves differently because everybody looks good on paper. Um, still the old-fashioned uh, showing up and, and just really making sure that you become a uh, king or queen of, of, of a certain vector, you know, a certain, have a certain expertise and, and really exploit that, really, really push on that. Uh, and, and not be scared that you're, if you're the same as everybody else showing up to save, uh, solve the same problems, that, indus- that, that sector of industry is not going to go anywhere. We, we need the diversity. Right. Thank you so much for that. I think that that's really important. But I won't really believe that there's a revolution in STEAM until I hear the engineers say STEAM rather than arts majors like you and me. <laughs> well, that's that that can be true. But I think that um, <laughs> there's people that do the, the mechanics of, of all of it. But then, you know, who's telling the stories? Who's who's educating people? Um, this this element needs to happen. And and you know everybody needs to to understand that that they're going to have a sandbox right and what makes my brother for example really good at putting together these tools and and executing uh things in that way uh it's much harder for him to speak to the average person and have them understand what what cybersecurity is really doing for them because he's going to speak in a language that doesn't make any sense so we need people that can um that can sort of bridge the in-between, right? That can have uh, a voice. And it, because understanding this situation is our biggest problem. Like ni- almost 92% of, of successful cyber attacks are, are occurring because of human error. And, and that's a human error in, in how things have been configured on our systems. But a lot of it is really to do with just social engineering, tricking people. So education still needs to be in the forefront and those types of people are going to be those that sort of can understand that side but are also great storytellers great great educators and and those roles are are really important maybe they're better suited for women or maybe they're as suited for women um but uh you know people should know that that's available to them absolutely well, thank you so much, Anne. I've taken a lot away from this conversation. Um, when I hear cybersecurity, I sort of groan inwardly because I think it's such a big problem that I don't understand sufficiently and 
don't really want to because there's so many other things I'm still trying to learn about. Uh, so I've certainly learned that if this is a much more accessible problem and something we can do something about, uh, that there are services such as yours that can uh, take most of the work out of it, which is, which is wonderful. And uh, the importance, again, of partnerships uh, for entrepreneurs. Uh, there's, there's defense and offense, and defense is ensuring that you're pre- protected from risks. And offense is the part we so often delay because there's not an immediate return, but the work that you've done in building partnerships is phenomenal. So congratulations on that. Just to close things out for our listeners, is there one actionable piece of advice that you'd like to offer entrepreneurs, whether it's about cybersecurity or any other aspect of business that that, 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 that you're keen on, something that they can take away from, from this conversation and put to work right away? Well, you know what? I really liked what, the, what you just positioned with, with regards to offense and, and defense. Um, I think the main thing is that every single business now does involve data and it's not a matter of if you're going to have uh, a problem with it, it's a matter of when. And uh, I, can't, uh, I can't say enough how important it is for us to have um, taking a good look at that ahead of time, uh, privacy and security, and even if you do nothing but watch some YouTube videos, at least understand what your exposure is. Um, and then also know that, that I'm here to help. Obviously, don't mind people reaching out to me or, uh, or there are other you know, organizations that can do that. But uh, it's an important part of your plan uh, for business. Great. That's very generous of you. Thank you for sharing all this w- 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 with us. And thank you for building a great Canadian company. And it's expanding uh, across the border now. And we wish you lots of good luck. And thanks for taking part in the Startup Canada podcast. Thank you. We'll talk again. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.